Steve Upchurch asked me a few weeks back, uh, what's your vision for 2014 for Orchardville Church? And here was really the verses, and it's in Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to go ahead and read them, and then we're going to back up a little bit. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And I'm sure that throughout the year, the Holy Spirit will give me more and more insight concerning these four verses. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. He knows what his job is. He does his job. He's not a slacker. He's not asking for somebody else to do something that he himself is not willing or capable of doing. So is the kingdom of God as a man that should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day. There is a clock there by his bed where he goes to sleep. He wakes up every morning and he has a job to do. He does it. Uh, he sets the alarm that night. He gets up the next morning. Uh, he rises each day. He goes to sleep that night. And thus you see this as a day in, day out, uh, every, every day within that year. And he should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring up and grow up and he does not even know how. I could say that concerning Orchardville Church. I don't know exactly how. This church has got to where the size that it is and the outreaches that we've all had uh, as far as here in Fairfield and Centralia. Because there's days that I don't know what all is going on here. There's nights that things is going on. Even people that work second shift, third shift, uh, they're presenting the word of God and getting the word of God out. And uh, I don't even know that's happening, but it happens. Spirit of God's working on somebody and that could be uh, a, 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 over in another state even or in another country even. But I wouldn't know anything about this thing's a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger than we give it credit for. I was in a store just yesterday, and I was walking, by, walking, and there was a man that stopped me and said, hey, I need to talk to you. And I turned around, and he goes, oh, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. You're not who I thought you was. And I said, oh, it's another good-looking guy you was looking for. <laughs> and when I said that, he just kind of stopped and looked me over, and he said, Orchardville Church? I said, yeah, Mark Shell. That's who I thought it was. <laughs> I go to the Centralia branch. I've been wanting to meet you. Uh, his last name was King. I remember that. Uh, a big burly guy. And uh, I just thought that uh, I'd never met that guy. But yet the word of God is sinking down within his heart. And I bragged on Steve and Jennifer over there at Centralia Branch and the work that they do. We're not always going to be able to put our finger on everything that God's doing in this place. Or even figure out everything that God's doing in this place. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. 
And I already tell you again that by the end of the year, certainly there will be more things that will come to me in that scripture than just what I mentioned today. But this whole chapter of Mark chapter 4 is a chapter of parables and it begins in chapter 4 verse 1 as Jesus began to teach by the seaside. You look up any commentary and what this is talking about is reaching out to the whole world. The seaside, a mass of people, a sea of people. You see the terminology in the book of Revelation over and over again. The, when it mentions the word sea, it's talking about a mass of people. And this is what Orchardville Church is going to be about, has been about, and will continue to be about. It's about reaching people. In 3 verse 9, of this chapter. It's the parable of the seed, the sower, and the soil. And in 14 through 20, it gives the explanation of that great parable. And then in 21 through 23, it's the, another parable where you hide it under a bushel. What's the answer? No. And in another parable in 24 and 25. And in the parable that we partly explained in 26 through 29. And then a parable in 30 through 32. What is a parable? A parable is an earthly saying with a heavenly meaning. Something, a workaday item that you would know about, and God's able to bring that into your focus to where there's a spiritual context there. A few years back in London, England, the bus systems the buses were not stopping at every bus stop like they were supposed to. And that was making people irate. And finally, they began getting one letter after another, one phone call after another, one person coming to the transit authority after another. And finally, the London Transit Authority put out this note in the paper to everyone that rode their buses. It is impossible for us to keep our schedules if we are constantly picking up passengers. <laughs> wow. You know, just indignant. But what do you expect? We've got a schedule to keep. Their business was picking up passengers. That was the business that they was in. Trains, look at trains. Trains have been on a steady decline in America for over a hundred years. And that should not have been. Because there they was when they was blazing the trail out west and they met up somewhere, where was that? Somewhere in Colorado. They met up in Colorado and they connected those tracks from the east to the west and then they put in a copper or a, a, a golden spike. Don't you know that they lifted that golden spike out of there real quick? <laughs> to, to put them tracks together, there they were, no conglomerate on the face of the earth bigger than the railroad industry. But then what happened? Along come Orville and Wilbur Wright. And you know what happened around, around big executive boards with the strongest, 
the most richest people in America sitting around them boards that own stock and investments in entire railroad industries. They looked at that and said, we could buy stock in the airline industry. They didn't do that. You know why? We're not in the airline industry. We're in the railroad business. Along comes Henry Ford. And now you've got to where people are that could move goods on the roads and around these influential big shot big wig tables with industry and the might of America in these men's hands they could have said let's buy stock in the automobile industry and somebody said we're not going to do that because we're in the railroad business and one after one after another after another of the railroad industries in America have closed down and are now just a penance of what they used to be in wealth. The problem being, nobody spoke up and said, we're not in the railroad business. We're in the moving business if they would have had that in their psyche to where now it's the airplane industry come along and that's a way to move goods and people. We're going to get into that. And now when it comes along with the, with the Fords and the car industry, we're going to get into that because that's a way of moving people and goods. But instead, we're in the railroad business. Didn't realize what business they was in. Church, we are in the people business. Like it or not. Some people told me I'd be a pastor if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> We're in the, we are in the business of picking up the passengers. We're in the business of getting them on the Bible bus. That's what we're in the business of. And what's happened, the church has compromised instead of, and I know this is just the, this is just where we're at in our society to where, oh no, you better not make a clean statement of what you believe or else you're going to be crucified. Well, that's where every church has got to stand up and either be counted or not. And here's the, 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 the inclination is to play it safe. Don't stand for anything. Don't make anybody mad. And yet you watch across America, the churches that are growing, and I know you think it's the churches that just sold out and don't believe in nothing. They ain't got nobody going to their churches. It's churches that will stand up and will take a position and say this is what we believe because the Bible is our guide. It's not, well, uh, they're, they're ordaining homosexuals in some uh, denominations. Listen, that denomination will eventually fall. 
because it's going against what the Bible says. High school students were asked this question. Which line is the longest? And they were shown three lines. Line A, which was approximately a foot long. Line B, which was about a foot and a half long. And line C, which was two feet long. And then the question was asked, which line is the longest? They had already been told, three or four influential people within that group had already been told, no matter what the question is, you choose line B. It don't matter what the teacher asks, choose line B. So they already knew to do that. Which line is the longest? Is it line A? People look around. Of course, it's not line A. Is it line B? Two or three of the influential students would raise their hand. Immediately, the rest of the students would look at the two or three that raised their hand, and then they would look up at the screen with the, and then they'd look back, and immediately hands would start going up. They was voting for line B, even though they knew that was wrong. They could see with their own eyes that line C was the longest of A, B, and C, but they was willing to compromise what they knew was right. To go along, to get along, because heaven help us if we ever stand out from the crowd and be different from someone because someone might pick at us or whatever. I really, and I probably should have a little more empathy than I have, but I don't have a whole lot here. When it comes particularly to young people not willing to stand up for their faith, willing to just go along to get along, want to go with the flow, want to be like any old dead fish that floats along stream with the river with, with everything else. I've never been that way. I've lost friends over me being uh, uh, a born-again Christian. I've lost people that have been friends with me for a long time, and I just, hey, this is what I believe. God put this in my heart. This is what I now believe. And I don't recommend this to everybody, but when I went to school, I had the biggest Bible there. I had the biggest cross on my, on my, around my neck, on my chest. And yeah, I was a target. Literally, I was a target. But I wouldn't back up what I believed. And you know how old I was then? I was 16 years of age. These people, 36 years of age, can't take a stand for Jesus. Lest somebody might laugh at them. You big bunch of sissies. I don't see that. I don't see how that could possibly be. When Jesus has given us so much and we cannot do even the, least, the least of what he would expect and that would be to stand up for him. Tell you what it is. It's fop and fof. Fop and fof. A lot of people, it's like a germ within them. It's a disease within them. Fop and fof. Fop is fear of people. And I don't care who you are. 
You put your pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. No matter who you are that you're, that you're afraid of or fearful of, they'll stand before God just like everybody else. Fop, fear of people. Fop, fear of failure. Well, I might try and I might fail. Well, you might. But at least try. At least try. I need everybody looking this way. I'm preaching here trying to help you, trying to help you, trying to help you. To take, be able to take a stand and not be a willy worm all of your life. Take a stand for Jesus and be counted and God will be able to use you to where other people will be able to take a stand and be counted. Oh, just go along to get along. Come weal or woe, our status is quo. Ronald Reagan said status quo means the mess we're in. And that's about right. People, oh, we're just status quo. No, you're in a big mess. I knew this would be a tough one to preach. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the power of God. In Daniel chapter 3, the urge to compromise was great. When you had the king setting up the image of Nebuchadnezzar to worship this image. And you had three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and off to bed we go. <laughs> and those three young men would not compromise what they believe in God. The question's been asking me, where was Daniel in all of this? Daniel was one of the most influential people in the world. Chances are, Daniel was on a trip somewhere that with all the uh, fingers of, of power and, and advantage that that kingdom had, and he was part of that, working as a godly influence on the inside of that. Because I, I do believe if he would have been there, he would have been standing just as well as those, as those three. So I've got to believe he was somewhere else other in the world than right there. That just makes sense to me. And worship this image. And three, they would not. Uh, um, Oh, boy. <laughs> the guy with a bushy head of hair that was a singer in the 70s. Keith Green. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Keith Green had an album cover that showed this explicitly to where it had all of the people of the valley of Dura as they are bowing before Nebuchadnezzar as he is, as he is there carried by four men upon this chase lounge and everybody bowing before him and you've got three young men standing I mean straight bolt straight upright with the king looking at them pointing a finger and going to tell them you are going to be burned until dead I think the want to to compromise would have probably been pretty great with them three men, but they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. 
The urge to compromise would have been great, but he didn't do it. That's why I hear this from time to time. Preacher, I'll get saved during the seven years of great tribulation. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you cannot stand for Jesus right now, don't try to convince me that you'll die for him in the great tribulation. You won't do it. You won't do it. You won't do it. Furthermore, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, God says people that's already had an opportunity to be saved, that you will believe a lie and be deceived and be damned. God's saying, you've got the opportunity right here, right now. Make it good. That's what God's saying. Don't compromise. Stand for what you know to be that is right. The three men refused to betray God. They were thrown in that fire. And let me ask you this. With all the three men standing, who were the rest of the people that were bowing? Tell you who they were, a bunch of cowards that wouldn't take a stand for nothing. That's who they were. And the Bible says, but the fearful and the unbelieving will be cast into the lake of fire. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and the lions didn't eat him. And I know why. Because all he was was grit, gristle, and backbone. The man would not compromise what he believed. Stephen killed as huge rocks crushed the life out of him. He had no compromise within his life. Every time Israel compromises with an Arab country concerning land, Israel always comes out on the short end of the stick. When you compromise, you lose. Russian proverb. The Russian bear wanted a full belly, and the Russian hunter wanted a fur coat. So the bear ate the hunter. The bear got a full belly, and the Russian hunter got a full four fur coat. <laughs> when you lose, somebody really loses. And when you compromise, somebody really compromises. Getting back to the three Hebrew children, let me give you the key on this. Our God, whom we serve, we're not going to bend. We ain't going to bow to you. We're not going to do it. Our God, whom we serve, will deliver us, O King. And if he does not, we're still not going to bow to you. I have heard the faith teachers turn themselves into a pretzel trying to explain that verse. Basically, try to explain away that verse. That verse means exactly what it says. 
they was not going to put everything in their belief that God's going to give them a miracle, and if God didn't give them a miracle, they was going to pout and go home. They was going to believe God whether they got the miracle they wanted or not. Hallelujah! And because of them being able to stand up and stand firm, an unbelieving king got to see the Son of God. You know what? You're going through a trial or a test or trouble in your life. If you keep your integrity in God, there'll be some unbeliever out here that you don't even think's watching, and they're watching every move you're making, and they're thinking, if that person can love God with what they're going through, you know what? Maybe I ought to give my heart to God too. A heathen king who would have never seen the Son of God got to see the Son of God because he said, we threw three men in, now I see them forth, and they're all walking around. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Church, when the fire comes against us, I believe if we will believe God, God will send the fourth man. And the fourth man looks a lot like Jesus. And he looses them. And they're all walking around. You know what I kind of believe? That 40 years after that, all three of them guys got back together. And they wore the same clothes that they had worn that day. When even, even the smell of smoke wasn't on them. And they had their little turbans on. And they had all their things on. And they just they sat around 40 years later and talked about, you know, that great day that God delivered us. Wow. No compromise. You know, you ask a tennis player, and I think that here's the key, our God whom we serve. Ask a tennis player sometime, how have you been serving lately? Ask a Christian sometime, how have you been serving lately? With joy, with expectancy, with love, it's not, have you been praying? No, it's how have you been praying? It's not, have you been paying your tithe? No, it's how have you been paying your tithe? The Bible said God loves a cheerful giver. He's concerned in how you give. I'll take from any old grouch, but uh, God wants you to be grateful in it. Their loyalty to God did not depend on whether or not it all worked out exactly like they wanted it to. I've got three minutes to tell you a whole lot. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible lets us know, as every believer, there's a fire in our future. There's a fire in our future. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when God talks about the wood, the hay, and the stubble, and the gold, and the silver, and the precious stones, and to where an angel will take all of the works that you've done, and he'll fashion a crown with them. And if you've had a work of, of praying unto God and been doing that faithfully, 
And God will take, that angel will take a little bit of that gold and will start forming a crown. But if you've done something to say, oh, look at me, look at the gift that God so graciously given me. That's wood. And that goes through the fire and it goes, poof, it just burns up. There's nothing there. And that angel keeps making with what he can. And if it's all been about you and look at me, you have a crown that's the size of a thimble that can fit on your little finger. And then in judgment, you will take that thimble crown and place it at the feet of Jesus. I don't want that to be me. See, I'll never be the best preacher you ever heard. I'll never write the best book that you've ever, that you've ever been able to read. I'll never pastor the best church that's ever been. But I can give my all. I can give my all. And in doing that, God says, you're giving your very best. And God will fashion that crown, and it'll be one of them crowns like on that margarine commercial. Da-da-da-da. And had that big crown. And I'll be able to place that at the feet of Jesus. If you're here unsaved, there's a fire in your future. It's called the lake of fire. And I believe every person is deserving of a warning not to go there. Don't go there. Receive Jesus as Savior in your life. Bow your heads, please. God, I know that you have done everything short of forcing people to be saved. You've done everything short of force. And I know how you usually work is with a knock. You stand at the door and knock. It's us, up to each and every one of us to open up and receive you unto ourselves. Lord, help us to be an army. Help us not to be a bunch of sissies or always looking for a way out. But help us, Lord, to step up to the plate, which you've called us to be. God, I believe you've got great things in the horizon for this church. You're not done with what's going to happen here. You're not done with this church. There's a lot of things going to happen. There's young people that's going to be raised up. I truly believe that. God, they're going to be able to uh, shake people for you because of what they have learned here in this church. God, because of what's been put within their life because of this church. And Lord, if there is somebody here this day, but they've never asked you to be Savior, I pray, God, that they would have the wherewithal to make that known. And you can save them in an instant. In Jesus' name. Reaches to the heavens Your faithfulness Stretches to the sky Your righteousness 
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.